Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. Great to have you with us for the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Amazon no longer wants its drivers tested for pot. We'll talk about that at 12.49. Right now, the latest look at orders for factory goods in the government jobs report for August is lurking. Let's see also what unemployment claims are telling us. Carl Tannenbaum is here, chief economist at Northern Trust here in Chicago. Carl, let's begin with the jobless claims. Uh, They fell, and it, it looks like they fell significantly enough to maybe make a difference in how we're feeling about the economy. What, what, tell us the nuts and bolts and then what you make of it. Well, good afternoon, Cisco. It is gratifying to see the number of people needing unemployment assistance continue to decline. Just a caution that the level we saw today is still well above what we saw prior to the pandemic, but certainly a big improvement over the spikes that we had a little over a year ago. It's a reflection that the economy is performing very well, that we've been able successfully to reopen sectors of the economy that had been closed. And we're putting a dent in the backlog of people who were working prior to the pandemic but aren't uh, doing so today. So that's progress. Uh, Hopefully we can continue to build on that and get back to the kind of labor market that we had before COVID-19 became a household term. And is that still something, I mean, we expect, I don't know, six months, 12 months out before we might get back to that, or maybe even longer? I would hope that we can make a significant dent, uh, Cisco, in the remaining backlog within the next several months. And here's why I feel that way. First, demand is very strong in the economy, and that has created uh, more than 10 million open positions out there. Now, they're not always matched geographically and from a skills basis with the people who are out of work, but certainly employers are actively soliciting uh, for additions to their staff. Secondly, among the reasons that people had been uh, out of the labor force and not looking for work was that they had children at home. Hopefully the reopening of schools around our country, durably so, with in-person learning will allow moms and dads to offer more hours uh, to the labor market. I also hope that uh, after this wave uh, that we're experienced with with COVID-19, that we'll begin to see some relaxation during the fall months. Uh, Waves typically have run two months, and so there is some hope that the uh, concern that people have about getting back to work as a result of their health concerns will will abate. And uh, as another note, we did have a a report that about 2 million Americans have said that they've retired since the pandemic started. But if you take a look at their finances collectively, it's probably not the case that they can afford to do so. So uh, perhaps after, uh, you know, taking some time away, they'll need to get back to work and that'll uh, bring those labor market numbers up. 
Let's talk about factory orders uh, and increase in July, and let's still still some challenges though. Oh, immense challenges, Cisco. The global production and logistics systems are in uh, some disarray with factory closures in Asia uh, because of COVID. Shipping uh, and lead times are are very very challenging for producers. You read that. Uh, partially completed trucks and cars are being pushed aside because the final parts needed for finishing them are not available. And certainly as we approach the holiday season, uh, delivery lead times for some of the things that we might like to give to one another are going to be very, very long, and their prices could therefore go up. That's a problem that may take a long time to untangle. Thanks so much, Carl Tannenbaum, Chief Economist at Northern Trust here in Chicago. Just ahead, it's the time of year for Pumpkin Everything, while a burger chain is adding a loyalty program. The annual saturation of pumpkin products is underway, while BK is hoping a loyalty program will boost sales. Let's get some insight from R.J. Hanavi, Head of Analytical Research at Placer AI here in Chicago. Uh, R.J., is this the earliest that we've seen this pumpkin spice explosion? It seems like it gets earlier and earlier every year. Yeah, it really does seem to catch you off guard. Uh, you know, it caught me off guard how early it was this year. But uh, it is interesting phenomenon. And what's interesting about it is that it still does drive people to the to the locations, to the to Starbucks and, and Dunkin' as well. I just don't think it has the same longevity throughout the fall that it once did. Uh, our location-based data suggests that last week, uh, the week that Starbucks launched the uh, pumpkin spice latte for the season, uh, saw traffic up 12%, and Dunkin' saw an 8% increase the week after they did that. I just think as we start to go through the season a bit more, uh, you, you don't see that same longevity in pickup and traffic. And that's why we're starting to see new uh, flavors, uh, apple crisp flavor at Starbucks and other things like that, just to keep the uh, the fall season going for these companies. I know there's even a pumpkin hard seltzer that's coming out here. It just shows, obviously, it works. People love that flavor. Yeah, you're right. I think that there is a core audience that will buy these products and across different categories as well, not just coffee, but to your point, seltzers and just about every other uh, you know, consumer packaged good category has some variation of pumpkin spice latte. Uh, but I think that what you're seeing too is that you know these specialized flavors do, uh, you know, there's a lot of curiosity among consumers and they can drive loyalty too. So I think that that's an important thing. And uh, you know, Starbucks' ability to, to innovate around this over the years has been impressive and you're seeing a lot of other companies yeah, Starbucks really got it started, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago, the, the pumpkin spice craze. And uh, what you're saying, it sounds like, is that they, they don't just use it for that one-time boost around the fall. They're hoping that those people say, hey, we like this. Let's come back in the winter and so on for more. Yeah, I think that's kind of the uh, the idea, especially in, the, again, Starbucks has been one of the key innovators, but a lot of people are trying to replicate their success on it. Uh, if you have one product that, that drives a lot of core awareness around, you know, one time a year, where you can start to do other seasonal uh, flavor launches that, uh, you know, inspire different feelings at those times of years. And I, I think that that's what you're going to continue to see is more flavors, uh, you know, around the different parts of the calendar, uh, you know, drive, uh, you know, limited time offers. Let's talk about loyalty. Seems like everyone has one now. Burger King is finally getting on the bandwagon. It is. Uh, it, it, you're right. I mean, loyalty programs uh, you know, haven't been around all that long in 
the restaurants or the quick service restaurant space, at least not in the, the current form. Uh, I mean, yes, punch cards have been out there for, for several years, uh, many decades, in fact. But really what we're seeing is, is now that, you know, especially with uh, digital ordering and drive through and delivery becoming really the primary ways that customers get their uh, you know, products from QSR companies, uh, that's opened up the door to manage these loyalty programs a lot better through uh, mobile devices. And, and more importantly, for the companies themselves, it gives them a way to uh, better market to these customers. They know what they're buying. And so you'll start to see customized offers. And you know, many of us have already started to see that based on what we've previously purchased. So I think this is the right opportunity to get on it. Uh, obviously, it's you know designed to drive greater frequency, more purchases, uh, and, and obviously more frequency with it, I think, is the most important part. Uh, but still, it's tough. I mean, it, you know, it's historically been tough in the QSR space because you're typically only going to those locations, you know, once, uh, maybe twice a month. And so to really keep that consistently going, it's been tough to manage. But I think uh, with the digital platform, it opens up a lot of opportunities. It seems like you get to a point, and maybe we're there, I don't know, maybe we're past it, where you just have so many loyalty programs, you can't possibly get rewards with all of them, and you end up having to settle on your one or two favorite. That is typically what we've seen. Uh, you, you typically go, particularly the ones that you go most frequently with. And so I think the companies that we've seen the most success with have really been the coffee companies. Uh, you know, tying the conversation back to Starbucks here again, uh, another one of the innovations that have done really well is on the uh, the loyalty program. Uh, the Starbucks My, uh, Starbucks Rewards program has been very successful. And it's pretty amazing when you start to uh, dig through the numbers. I mean, what you typically see is a Starbucks customer, uh, rewards customer, you know, goes almost five times as many times throughout the year as a non-rewards customer. So it does bring loyalty and engagement, but it's a little bit more difficult when it's not as frequent purchase. I mean, typically the uh, Starbucks customer is going in three, four times a week, whereas it QSR customers once or twice a month. So the incentives have to be there uh, for, for people to really drive increased uh, or for those companies to drive increased frequency among consumers. So they really have to be incentivized to do it. So I'll be curious to see um, you know, how they structure this program um, you know, and any changes they make to, to really keep that frequency going. Thanks so much, R.J. Hadavi. He's head of analytical research at Placer AI. Just ahead, the latest wave of COVID-19 pushes back the opening of several blockbuster movies. Loaning you Useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The resurgence of COVID cases in the U.S. is once again impacting major movie release dates. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Paul Dergarabedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore, based in Los Angeles. Uh, Paul, I mean, I, I guess the the people who put together the movies, I mean, they're not ignorant of what's going on, and they want to maximize the potential if they're going to release something that costs a lot of money. That's exactly right, Cisco. And, you know, Tom Cruise is very much involved in the production and release and marketing of all of his movies. And notably, just this week, Paramount, the studio releasing both films, move those films. And remember, Top Gun Maverick was originally going to come out this year on the 4th of July week, during 4th of July week. And then it was moved to November 19, and now it's moved to next summer around Memorial Weekend, 5-27-2022. Mission Impossible 7, another movement, that one was going to be released uh, five, you know, May 27, I should say, 2022, and now moved to September 30th of 2022. So, yeah, you're exactly right. These are big-budget movies. you got to maximize their potential. And obviously, the studio's some of the studios feel like they're not going to get as big of a bang for their buck 
by going with these movies as originally intended this year. Do the studios lose money by postponing or do they just kind of have it in the can and, you know, they can wait as long as they want to release these? Well, you know, it, it, to me, the analogy would be having cars on a car lot just sitting there. It's never good to have that. You want to keep the product moving. And in the case of movies, they're very expensive. The production cost on these films was was manifest to the studio many months, many even a year or more ago. And it's better to get them out there. That's why you've seen so many movies just go this year, even though it may not have been perhaps the best time. But since Cruise is c- committed to the movie theater experience, they can't just really offset by suddenly deciding to put these on Paramount+. Plus. They're waiting again for movie theaters to be at their most robust, consumer confidence to be really high before they're going to release these movies. And so for consumers who were afraid that everything was going to be streaming now, it, it seems to show that the movie companies, they're not ready to go that far because they could just release these online right now. They could. And we've seen over the past many weeks that the films that are theatrical first actually do better in the long run in theaters and then have more prestige and desirability when they hit the small screen. Free Guy just passed $200 million globally yesterday. So Ryan Reynolds with a big hit, that's a movie theater-only play. Uh, Candyman this past week showed that horror movies still do well. The movie industry is doing incredibly well considering how uh, challenging this marketplace has been. And Shang-Chi is about to open, and that could do really well. That's theatrical first, not on Disney+. Plus. Everyone will be looking at that new Marvel movie. Thanks so much for all the insight, as always. That's Paul Dergarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore. Just ahead, Technology Thursday, bringing green power to locomotives. Later in the show, 1249, Amazon says it doesn't want at least certain employees tested for pot. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and the restrictions may apply analysis by ukulele speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023 Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Record amounts of rain caused death and flooding in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. A special report from CBS News is next. Technology Thursday, the CEO of Metra joins us to talk about advances in locomotive power. Amazon's solution to a shortage of delivery drivers involves marijuana. WBBM Business, the Dow up 114, the NASDAQ is up 18, and the S&P is up 9 points. Oil up 2.5%. It's back in the $70 range. We have no rain in the forecast today, just sunshine. High of 78 degrees, almost there. Right now, 76 degrees. CBS News special report. In the Northeast, abandoned cars caught in floodwaters last night remained stuck in a muddy mess after Hurricane Ida left much of the area underwater. WBZ producer Nancy Shack found herself trapped while driving to work this morning in Boston. When I got out of the car, the water was up to my chest, basically. And then uh, the water's been going down now. They haven't been able to tow it because the water hasn't receded enough. At least 19 people have died. In New York City, the storm flooded subways and roads. Mayor Bill de Blasio. A record set two weeks ago, another record set now. Rainfall like we haven't seen ever before. This is the biggest wake-up call we could possibly get. President Biden said help is on the way. There's a lot of damage. And I made clear to the governors that my team at the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, is on the ground and ready to provide all the assistance that's needed. CBS News Special Report. I'm Lisa Mateo. It's 12:32. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are gaining ground. The Dow up 113. The NASDAQ up 19. The S&P is up 9 points. Let's see what's going on. Chuck Carlson is here, CEO of Horizon Investment Services. He's the publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, it's a pretty good day. I think the market's taking its cue uh, today from the, the favorable jobless claim numbers that uh, are kind of emboldening people to that the economy and, and uh, the, the growth there is, is still on track. Uh, the, the thing I like to see today is the strength in small caps and the, and the transportation stocks. You've got the Russell 2000 small cap index up almost a point or one percent and you have the dow jones transportation average up almost one percent and those are two very sensitive economic barometers and both of them are doing well today um lastly i think people need to understand too as i mentioned last week we're in kind of that really low period the last gasp of summer uh, volumes are lower than they typically are on the exchanges and so when you have days like that the good news gets accentuated a little bit more, and I think we're seeing a little bit of that as, of that as well. And going forward, investors uh, waiting to see, you still have some uncertainty. What's the Fed going to do? How's the next round of earnings going to look? Uh, what do you advise investor, investors to do? Yeah, I, I think that stocks still continue to be the most attractive asset class. So I think uh, there is not a reason yet, at least from what we're seeing, to reduce your equity exposure in portfolios. Again, uh, when you look at the attractiveness of bonds, I, I don't think that's there. I think stocks uh, are still the most attractive asset class. You've got interest rates at levels that make equities look attractive. Inflation, which is probably the most worrisome of the three main engines of stock market performance, those being interest rates, inflation, and corporate profits. 
Inflation is probably the most worrisome, but you know there are a number of indicators out there that are, are giving us pause to think inflation is going to be uh, not uh, a market killer here. So I think the, the investors should still stay the course with their equity positions. And as far as uh, crypto goes, you know, it's just sort of difficult. I think most people still don't even understand what crypto is. And yet it, it is very quickly becoming something that you, you almost have to have at least a little in your portfolio. Well, that's the argument that um, the crypto folks are making is, is that even if uh, you know, institutional investors and individual investors add just, you know, one to two percent of a portfolio in crypto that can really push it higher. And that's really the bullish argument that um, this, the crypto has rallied. If you're looking at Bitcoin, has rallied back up, you know, around that fifty thousand uh, dollar range. It'll be interesting to see if it can, can really break through that level or if it recedes back. I, we're, we're, we're hardly crypto experts. Uh, I kind of like my investments to have a little bit more discernible value. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, as an asset class, it certainly has done well over the last couple of years for for folks that have been in it. And that's the challenge, right, is people may say, well, you, you can't really use the same age-old metrics, and yet it has grown and grown <laughs> so that people who've been in it have made some money. Well, they have, you know, and that's why I'm always hesitant to say, well, you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't do it because it doesn't have any value. Uh, to me, crypto is, is kind of the digital gold where, you know, you used to have gold. People bought it because, you know, it's an inflation hedge, which it never really seems to be. Um, gold doesn't generate any cash flow, such as Bitcoin doesn't generate any cash flow. But it, it became an asset class because people were willing to put money into it. Um, you know, again, Bitcoin's biggest attribute is, you know, if everybody just puts a little bit of their portfolio in it, it'll drive it higher. And there's a limited supply of Bitcoins. And that's those are the two arguments. Um, those aren't strong enough for me to be a buyer in it, but certainly people that have bought it uh, at much lower levels are awfully glad that they did. With the COVID surge, what is that doing to those uh, travel stocks? You know, your hotels, your airlines, your cruise lines that a lot of investors were hoping would continue their rebound. Yeah, they have kind of stalled a little bit. But like today, for example, you look at Carnival Carnival Cruise Line, the stock's up almost 3% and has been holding its lows. And I think that's kind of the story that we're getting across those types of sectors is that, um, you know, they, they haven't necessarily they've pulled back from their highs, but they've been managing to hold up to on, on significant low points. And, and, and they're waiting kind of the next uh, impulse and kind of see where the variant goes here. It seems to be, based on data that I'm saying, that you, I don't want to say it's, it's receding, but you're starting to see a bit of a flattening out on the variant. And if that continues, I think you'll start to see uh, a little bit better price action in those really uh, variant-sensitive stocks like the, the cruise lines and airlines. Thanks so much for all the analysis. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. Just ahead, Technology Thursday, applying the latest tech to public transportation. Investing 60 minutes each weekday toward planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday. This afternoon, we're examining the latest advancements in clean power and how it's coming to local locomotives. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Jim Derwinski, uh, the CEO of Metra. Jim, it's good to talk with you here. So I, I guess tell us. What's going on now with locomotives so people understand how they're powered and then some of the changes that are on the horizon? 
Absolutely, Cisco. So currently, locomotives are diesel-powered. They use diesel fuel. They run an internal combustion engine, and they uh, spin a generator that makes electricity to move the train down the track. The opportunity exists now to replace that diesel with either batteries, hydrogen, um, as a as a source of making that electrical power. And then the, basically the same conversion occurs as the train would move down the track. And so uh, going forward, I would imagine Metra and uh, other commuter rail lines are paying close attention to this and thinking about how they transition into other technology. Absolutely. Um, Metra is actually leading the way. We've actually taken the step of putting out a request for proposal to convert three of our retired diesel locomotives, take out the diesel machinery and actually put batteries in there and and not just talk about it, but physically start running prototypes. And we're waiting to see what the industry can uh, provide us as uh, opportunity here. you got to imagine, I mean, it'll be great to to get a visual on this. I mean, a battery to power a locomotive, think about the battery to power a car, it must be pretty massive. And that's the beauty of the locomotive. It's certainly got a lot of room to put a lot of battery in there. You don't need the fuel tank underneath anymore either. So once again, it's uh, got a lot of room for a lot of battery. Does this end up being um, more economically efficient for Metra as well as obviously better for the environment? It's certainly better for the environment, and our preliminary look at the life cycle maintenance cost of that particular locomotive looks to be less. Part of the RFP process requires the manufacturer to provide us that life cycle maintenance cost. So when it comes to uh, the new technology, I'd imagine there, there's probably some training of your crew to be able to uh, deal with uh, the new locomotives when they break down. It, it, not everything's going to be different, but there seems like there'll be some things different about it. Absolutely. There's going to be a learning curve. And as far as the operator up in the control stand, the engineer, the locomotive engineer, he'll know nothing different other than it may feel like a little bit more quicker acceleration. As far as the mechanics go, absolutely, this is new technology. With regard to how it gets to what's called the inverter, which actually makes power for the traction motors, the uh, the um, mechanics are pretty well trained in this, but there absolutely will be some new training. What about the sound? I mean, if it's battery powered, will they be quieter? They'll be much quieter. The, the noise emissions will be down to just the fans that are used on the locomotive and then, of course, the rolling down the track. And as far as uh, other than the quieter ride and uh, inside the train, I mean, it's already a quiet ride. But uh, when you're you're having the consumers who are there and they're on the train, are they going to notice any sort of a difference or not really? There's a possibility that, um, and we know this from our electric district fleet on on the MED, um, electric trains accelerate faster. And you may know this from just following certain electric cars around the roadways here. Electric cars accelerate faster. So something that could help us is actually the acceleration uh, ability. Good insight. It'll be interesting to see all of this as it slowly rolls out. That's Jim Derwinski, the CEO of Metra. Join us at this time tomorrow. Entrepreneur Friday, still to come. Recruiting pot smokers to fill a delivery driver shortage. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Amazon has an interesting strategy to deal with a shortage of delivery drivers. Let applicants know the company does not screen them for marijuana use. Paul Starkman is here, employment attorney at Clark Hill in Chicago. Uh, Paul, I mean, I'm thinking delivery drivers here, people who are driving around. Uh, Amazon, they have lawyers. They, they probably know that it's okay. But I think some other employers are wondering, could I get in trouble as an employer if I don't screen and then there's some kind of an accident? These employers need to know that uh, there's there's two uh, levels here. One is the state level, which has uh, legalized this marijuana use and Amazon has uh, 
gotten behind that. And yet at the same time, marijuana use is still uh, an illegal uh, substance uh, under the Controlled Substance Act. So uh, it's still uh, a gray area. I think uh, Amazon is taking a uh, progressive approach to uh, try and uh, extend uh, job offers to to people who might not otherwise uh, uh, want to take these kinds of jobs, but they're still they are still uh, testing for uh, uh, people who are covered by the uh, uh, Department of Transportation. So it's not a complete uh, freedom to uh, go without testing. Uh, for for marijuana in this new world it seems like almost all employers have to figure this out right right not not just a company that requires people to drive around almost every employer has to figure out how are we going to handle pot use now that it is legal at least state legal in many states that is absolutely right and you're seeing a a broad variety of, of reactions some are just not changing their policies some are changing them and treating marijuana like uh, it's a prescribed drug. Others are uh, treating it as if it's alcohol, which is what uh, Amazon is doing, and uh, looking for uh, uh, testing only for impairment. And if there's a post-accident, uh, uh, if there's an accident, they'll they'll test post-accident. So, um, you know, Amazon is, is taking the... Uh, uh, a forward-looking approach uh, as to this uh, this uh, issue. So prospective employees should know they're not, not totally off the hook, especially if something goes wrong. Oh, absolutely. You know, and part of the, the problem is if there is evidence of impairment, then employers still need to take action and still need to test for those kinds of things. It's just you're not going to um, knock out a uh, uh, an applicant for a positive drug test before they've even started uh, working. So uh, that, that's typically the way it, it's, it's coming uh, down the pike in mo- for most uh, employers. Thanks. They're not testing applicants. Thanks for the details. Appreciate it very much. Always enjoy when you're on the show. Paul Starkman, an employment attorney at Clark Hill here in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's show, you can just go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works both online and with the Odyssey app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. 
Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024.